Our committees are now shut down, and it's on these 20 people. They're embarrassing the House, they're embarrassing the Republicans, they're embarrassing our country. So I think over time, with focus, we'll get some of these over. But we also have to be willing to consider working with the Democrats at some point to get some work on some concessions to get some support there if these 20 refuse to budge. You know what? That's a great way to, can I just be frank, get your ass kicked. I mean, rhetorically speaking, of course. That is, uh, that, that was, I think, one of the key, I think I had that in your, I think I included that in the email, uh, the soundbite. Uh, for your prep today. That's a great way to immediately lose all goodwill. Heaven on earth. Welcome to the program. It's for, Hey, guys, we made it to Friday. Yay! Made it to Friday. I am your not very lovable, everything is a nail curmudgeon, Dana Lash here with you. And we're going to get you started off right. We're going to get you set up for your weekend, all those good things, and continue watching what is it 12th round now i don't even know anymore do they know that's a good question i think it is like 11th or 12th yeah i think it's like the 11th or the 11th or 12th 12th. round so i want to uh go through some of the latest with you on all of this because they're going into the 12th round the vote totals as i was like going over all of this and watching it none of the vote totals have changed the only thing actually that's changed well, i mean yes they haven't have it the vote totals haven't changed in so much as uh we really didn't see mccarthy lose any votes but we saw people like donald's lose some votes because people started nominating everybody from i think gates nominated trump and then uh yeah, Kevin Hearn was nominated by uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert out of Colorado. So that's the only thing that's kind of changed. It's kind of, um, and I'm going to look at even, I have so many. I, honestly, I know some people care about this. Some people don't. But I do think it's kind of important if you're measuring and if you look at it as a measure of where the party's going. Although I don't really honestly think that all that much is going to change if I'm being real with you about it. So the latest is that uh, they're going in the twelfth round. They can't get it. They can't even schedule State of the Union address. <laughs> they can't even get that scheduled. They can't schedule anything. There's certain things they can do that you don't need a full. You know, you don't need a full house for everybody. Constitute. I. There are certain things that you can do, but for procedures and things like that. But not everything. It is somewhat limited. Now, with this, I'm looking at. Some of this, I think, uh, I don't even know if Kevin Hearn actually wants to do it. Does he want to do it? Yeah, you got two votes. I mean, you got to get to 218. I just, I don't know. The American people are getting frustrated. I had a friend tell me, yeah, but you know, the good thing is that the uh, Democrats aren't able to do anything, that we're not able to pass anything X, Y, Z. Yeah, but there's a bunch of things that are actually set to go into motion, like the IRS agents, etc., that we could pull funds for and we can't do that. So, I mean, it can really, you can kind of take it and, and have it go both ways. So, that's kind of where it stands. There, were, Remember when I told you last night to watch Chip Roy? Watch what he does? So, the, the word floating around is that he struck a deal. Uh, struck a deal, maybe, but 
I think that's like kind of still all up in the air. Uh, but it, this had to do with that rules committee that we I was asking that we were talking about. And I had asked him about when I was when I had brought up the issue of certain committees and people on committees. He didn't want to be on it, and I understand his his uh, reasoning on this. I think that it makes perfect sense. He's got kids. He doesn't want to spend an extra night in D.C. as he would have to on a Sunday night preparing everything for rules committee. So I understand that. I know a lot of people in the House Freedom Caucus would like to see him as chair of rules committee. And the reason why that's so important is because in a lot of these instances with some of these concessions that have to do with procedural issues, things can be waived. John Boehner waived things. Nancy Pelosi did as well. And so they think that by, and they're not wrong, that by having, you know, perhaps a more amenable chair of the rules committee, that that's going to be, that's less likely going to happen. So that's, uh, I understand that. And apparently, um, because I know there were a lot of late night discussions. Here's the thing. So I, I have, I know a lot of lawmakers. I try not to actually, I don't, like to have a lot of lawmakers electioneer on the show. I'm very, very strict about this stuff because it's annoying. I don't like people. Everybody says the same stuff that they say on cable news and it's just annoying. So I like to, uh, you know, bring them on if I want to ask them specific questions or if I catch wind that, you know, they're, they're co-sponsoring some legislation or something of that nature and you know that's it sounds like this is exactly what we discuss and focus on and i want to ask them questions about that uh but i don't like to just bring people on and shoot the breeze with them because it wastes everybody's time especially yours these people are i I mean i'm not saying this to be mean this is the reality of the situation they're employees so i was reaching out to a number of lawmakers uh last night and this morning i've talked to a handful of them some of them are uh they're all over the board in terms of where they actually fall on speaker support. Some of them are very hardcore. A couple of them are very hardcore Kevin McCarthy. Some of them are milk toast Kevin McCarthy, but they are looking at math. Uh, some of them are milk toast against Kevin McCarthy that are looking at math. And some of them are very hardcore against Kevin McCarthy. Now, the one thing I will say is that when I speak to those who are against McCarthy and I have been repeatedly asking and I'm not going to call anybody by name or I don't do anything like that but I have asked what are what is left this needs to be communicated to the people we're the voters I'm tired of everybody treating this like a backroom deal so where what other concessions need to be made and I've asked people this I've asked them this you know a couple of them several times And the thing that I get more often than not is, well, you know, can't say right now. What? I need to know a little bit here. Come on. Can or won't say. We're not doing this. Come on. This is why people are having issues. You can't get mad. Just like you. I mean, if there are legitimate issues and they're they're trying to figure something out, I, I, you know, I I get the gamesmanship. I still think everybody was completely unprepared, notwithstanding, and nobody went to the, I mean, it's like they all act like they were surprised by this vote and I'm mad at everybody. But you need to kind of let the American people in on what you're doing here because you're supposedly doing this for the American people. So why is it that they don't know what the hell's going on? I mean, that seems like a reasonable question, right? Is that a reasonable position to have? I feel like it is. So why can't we know what other 
What other issues are there to bring up? What other concessions haven't been made? I'd like to know this because, you know, even for the benefit of the people that are holding their line, I would, I I mean, I don't want, if it's a really serious, genuine issue that has not yet been made public and they're holding the line on something, I would like to know so I can either, so, I mean, if that needs support, I can offer support. I mean, doesn't that make sense? Because I've asked people, well, I've, I've ran down a list of every single thing. And someone had told me that it was an issue, it was a trust issue. I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute. All politics is a trust issue. We trust you. <laughs> Come on. We trust you to go in office and carry the will of the people by way of a vote. There needs to be way more transparency here and there's not. And I just find it incredibly ironic because it's all supposed to be done in the name of the voter and the voter doesn't know what the hell's going on. So we're going to we're going to follow this and let you know the latest. This is going to go on and on and on. Who was it? Matt Gates came out and said that. And I, I've seen people I look, I don't like the idea. And it was only one person that floated it. We played his audio that members audio coming through uh, coming into the show. But they were saying that the uh, possibility of working with Democrats to achieve. Now, this is what this means. When they say that they're going to work with Democrats to uh, potentially make a deal and come by to come to the to the decision of speaker that way, what they're talking about is lowering the threshold of votes required. So if you can keep a number of Democrats out of the House when they call quorum, then you actually can lower the number. Like, for instance, there was a voter, a member who was absent yesterday and or yesterday evening, I should say, and they um, actually took the required number of votes down from 218 to 217. And so that's to work to ask Democrats to move or withhold a number of members showing up for quorum call that actually could lower the threat. But what do they get for that? That's the question. What do they get for it now? I had asked another member. I'm like, what? Are, so what are what are people supposed to get for that? What is it that they're? And I think the the what was it the 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 issue was, um, the that maybe they'd get on a plane and go home. <laughs> maybe they could do that. So this that's that's the latest. Uh, I know we have some audio. I don't have an audio list in front of me. I know I don't. It's I don't know what the hell this is. It's like a whole bunch of stuff that's not audio. Um, so we're going to we're going to play some of that stuff here for you. I want to move down the line and get to some of this other stuff. We got some law and order as well that we're going to follow immigration. I noticed this soundbite yesterday um, when Biden said that immigration was uh, he said it was a political issue. That's not a political issue. It's a law and order issue. That's a law and order issue. Here we go. He made these remarks with VP Harris standing behind him and said that it was an issue of law and order it wasn't an issue of uh, he's like he's he, it wasn't an issue of, of law and order it was an issue of politics this is a political issue republicans are playing games and then he touted like all of these great things that he thought she did which i nobody believes that she's actually done a single thing on immigration we still don't actually know if he's going to be in el paso next week he just said that he intends to be in el paso that's all we know. So we're going to discuss this. We're also going to get into some of the latest, latest with uh, some of the Republican stuff. Christy Noam lands a broadside, fires off a broadside at 
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. But in doing so, she inadvertently opens herself up to attacks from critics who are revisiting her controversies. We're going to talk about that as well, because as you read my piece yesterday, everybody is now attacking Ron DeSantis. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So this is awful. A Connecticut lawmaker died in a, he died in a wrong way crash after he attended his own swearing-in ceremony. Quentin Williams, a Democrat from Middletown known as Q, was killed in a car crash in Cromwell. He's 39 years old in Connecticut. Uh, it was a wrong way crash. He went to the governor's inaugural ball, had his own swearing-in ceremony for a third term, and he was killed. They said that uh, state police said both drivers actually were killed. One of the vehicles became fully engulfed in flames. The other, the names of the other victims have not yet been released. That is just awful. Just awful. So in Idaho, parents of the slain students, they want the death penalty for the accused. Brian Koberger, only time I'm ever going to say his name. They want the death penalty for this guy. Uh, yeah, you think? I mean, when you read, I'm not a true crime person. Because I think that there's enough awful things in the world. If I want to, like, make myself feel uneasy, I'll watch a horror film. Actually, that's what I makes me feel better is watching horror films. But I was reading some of the details that they've released, that they made some things public. This individual is psychotic. And, but not in the, but he knows what he's doing and he willfully does it. He's, the, the death penalty was made for people like this guy. So that's what they're pushing for. And I think they may get their way. So we'll see, and I'm sure that's going to take a long time for that to work its way through the court system, too. A new environmental law is taking effect in California, banning 70,000 trucks, vehicles, uh, off the road. They're trying to reduce the number of vehicles off the road, particularly big rigs. 70,000. A set of clean air regulations implemented by the California Air Resources Board, which is ironically called the CARB, healthy but called CARB, uh, in 2008, was signed as Senate Bill 1, says any diesel vehicle, a diesel vehicle, weighing over 14,000 pounds and built before 2010, they're banned from operating on California ro- roads as of January 1st. Diesel exhaust, they say, is responsible for 70% of uh, risks from airborne toxins and all this other stuff. That is so goofy. That's goofy. See, this is the state. Why is the state making this? More, and this is now following up with that. More U-Haul trucks left California than in any other state last year. Because people don't want to live in that hellscape. Don't sit here and tell them about the weather. They don't want to live there. So U-Haul actually released these numbers. And they said that more trucks left from California more than any other state. And they left for Texas and Florida. The study was released on January 3rd. And they said actually Texas, Florida, and the Carolinas. They were the top destinations of one-way U-Haul truck customers for the year of 20, from 2022 to uh, the whole year 2022, beginning January 1st. Uh, and they released that just uh, the third of this year. That's not surprising at all, considering some of the headlines I was just sharing with you. Home sellers are basically throwing money at buyers right now. The share of home sales where a seller gave at least one concession to the buyer. They said home sellers are doing way more to entice home buyers. Uh, the data released that 42% of sellers offered at least one concession, often in the form of cash credit for things like repairs, closing costs, mortgage rate buy downs, things of that nature. Uh, additionally, this is what the Matrix, I think, was about. 6G wireless tech could use humans as a power source, according to a new study coming out of Massachusetts. That sounds d- dangerous and creepy, right? 
I'm not even going to get into the deep fake thing. I got to talk to you about all those Tom Cruise deep fakes I've seen. Stay with us. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. But if the most extreme Republicans continue to demagogue this issue and reject solutions, I'm left with only one choice. To act on my own, do as much as I can on my own to try to change the atmosphere. What? I mean... What yeah, what solutions do they have? I don't I haven't seen any. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. That was the that was POTUS. And he uh I I he's be it's there he's actually coming under fire. I will say there are a couple of Democrats I know. It does happen. There are a couple of Democrats who are criticizing him, saying, Wait, wait, what? Like you your thing and gonna do nothing. Your plan is is actually not gonna do anything. What are you talking about? I mean, he's not actually going to accomplish anything with this. So when he when he announced it yesterday, he I mean, he acted like the way that he put it. Venezuelans, Nicaraguans, Haitians, Cubans, he acted as though. They were fleeing genocide. When he was talking about them. And we played some of that audio yesterday, but then he turned around and was like, yeah, well, that's why we got to, we're going to, we're only going to let 30,000 in a month. So wait a minute. If you really believe that people were fleeing genocide and that this, you know, it, why would you even then restrict how many people were coming? What? So you don't then. That doesn't make any sense. Now what his border policy is actually going to do is pretty much well it's not going to stop this it's actually probably going to encourage it more i would think if they're going to turn away cubans haitians and nicaraguans is it just those people specifically i don't know he really they really don't like cubans i'm not just saying that they really i mean every they had when well, they have cubans coming into florida no 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 tell border patrol to send them back wait a minute what what, what do you mean? Why? Why? Why wouldn't you want Cuba? I mean, I mean, if someone was actually fleeing something, I would say maybe Cubans a little well, bit more than anybody Cubans else. Cubans have a long history of oppression from uh, communism. You know so. what Cubans have a long history of is not taken. That's what they and they're done with the communism. That's what they have That's a long exactly history right. of. And the fact that they recognize the pathway to communism, which is exactly what the Biden administration has been implementing mm-hmm. since day one. That's why they don't want Cubans in. They're here. not voters. They're not Democrat voters. Exactly right. You know, it makes me wonder sometimes. And had I not been to the border before and I've seen the processing, you know, I would kind of. I would understand it a little bit or I would think that or not that I would understand. It, I would I, I, I understand that there's not somebody to cl- with the clipboard. They're registering voters when they come across the border. But until I had been down there and, you know, different parts of the border. To see for myself that there wasn't. I, you, I, you, I, I could have been convinced by the way that they treat certain people coming in from certain areas. That's not a, that's not a joke. Yeah, I mean, and in Florida, they can't. Man, they, it, that's, a, that's a thing that you just don't. Yeah, like when he went down. Who was it? Was it him or was it one of his surrogates? They were in, uh, weren't they in Little Havana? And they actually made a political speech and they quoted, they quoted Castro. <laughs> why, would you, why would you do that? Mm. So I really, it's not, this is, if anything, so if you're going to have 
because I think it's six to seven thousand a day. Wasn't that the number from ICE that we said yesterday? People crossing into the border illegally every day. If you're going to admit thirty thousand quote unquote pre-approved, act like it's a credit card pre-approved migrants illegal entrants per month from the U.S. Then and they would allow them in, and then within two, and then you could allow them to work in the U.S. within two years. <sighs> now, here's what Bill Malugin points out. One of the things that the, the Biden administration is trying to brag about is they're saying, well, you know, we did this with Venezuelans last year. And we, we limited the number of Venezuelans we were going to allow across the border and to stay in the United States. And they said that, well, and the, the number dropped significantly of people who were trying to cross illegally. However, the number of known gotaways skyrocketed. More than 70,000 per month recently. That's bigger than my hometown. That's, oh my gosh. That's like four times the size of my hometown. That's insane. And the policy, now Malugin says, and he basically lives in a drone over the Rio at this point. He says the new policy will almost certainly reduce recorded border crossings. However, he notes that the nationalities crossing that are crossing, they're doing so in massive numbers and that illegal entrants that are ineligible for the parole, that's what they're referring to it as, like you do your little pre-approved app thing and then you're on like parole for two years, they have no incentive to turn themselves in now and will evade as gotaways. So if you're telling people that you're only going to allow certain amounts in, you're going to have more people going to try to show up because they think that they're going to be one of those 30,000 a month in. And then when they if they if they see a sign, oh, we're full. Moose should have told you. Moose out front should have told you we're closed. They're, they're going to turn into gotaways. They have no other no other thing, to, nothing else to do. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Well, it's not, but it is one of. Put it like that. I cannot even believe that that's a legit thing that they're that they're actually they think is going to work. That's crazy. So that's only going to increase. That's definitely going to increase the known gotaways for sure. Mm-mm-mm. Now, a few other things here. Let me make sure that we get into this. The president, because it's oh, it is January sixth today. He marks, they've been marking the uh, second anniversary of January 6th Capitol attack. And he hosted a ceremony in the East Room and talked about the insurrection. They said a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't true. The way that they talk about it, because Brian Sicknick was the, the police fatality, but not from the riot. He had a stroke like a couple of days later. And they even had an independent uh, forensic examination. And they said it had nothing to do with the riot. But the way that to hear Democrats talk about it, they acted like it was Mission Impossible and that you had insurrectionists dressed in black with with flare optics on their helmets just descended from lines in the sky under black helicopters. They climbed up the walls of the Capitol like Spider-Man before bursting into the Capitol. I mean, they the, there. Do you know how many video I've seen of of Capitol Police just waving people in? There's a video of a guy. um, it's a little hard to it, to play because there's so much background noise and I, I just deduce that it's not going to work on air. But there was a guy who was begging one of the Capitol officers 
why why don't you call for backup? There's clearly you're you're performing crowd management and there's too much of a crowd. Why why is there no backup? Because remember, Nancy Pelosi dismissed inquiries before even all of this happened to have significant security at the Capitol. And I'll and it, just again to remind the rally that took place was blocks and blocks, not even visible blocks and blocks and blocks away from where the rioters, there were rioters, there were rioters in that group. And then there were just people walking around taking pictures because they had no idea what the hell was going on. Like some of the people cited for unlawful parading, they were just, they, they were kind of at the tail end of it. They had no idea what was going on. They just saw people going in the Capitol and they're like, Oh, the thing that got me is when um, they were in the statuary hall and it's this big room. Everything's white. They got all the statues in there. And in the very middle of the room, on either side, there's this little red carpet, like a red runner. There are the uh, velvet ropes in the middle of the room. Like you're supposed to stay in the middle of the room and you file into that little spot if you want to look in the middle and just look. And everyone, it was so weird because everyone was, you know, they were noisy and they all filed into that little area. It was just funny to watch that. I mean, I've seen a couple of different videos of it. Now, that's not to say there absolutely were violent rioters that were captured on camera and they've been they've been punished. But then there were the people like they were wandering around like tourists just, you know, taking photos of everything like, wow, can't believe we're going into the Capitol. This is great. Is this a tour? Taking photos and they get thrown in jail. That's not a joke. That's a head that's happened. And then Democrats act like it's the worst thing since the Civil War. There was a Democrat that tweeted that. Now, we've had World War World Wars 1 and 2 since this time. We've also had Pearl Harbor and we've had 9/11. True. So, where's this person? Unless this person's an alien that was just, you know, dropped in on a on a scouting mission, I just don't that's not accurate. These people come from like, where are you an alien? Like, where do you come from? For real to say something like that. I really don't. You know what I will say? The speaker fight took all the wind out of those sails. Democrats can't figure out what they want to have popcorn over more. The January 6th stuff or. Or that. Mm hmm. Now. Uh, what are we, we have the 12th ballot for the house. I'm just like looking and watching all the latest. I, I, I put out a graphic. You remember Oregon Trail? I don't know how many times I either had dysentery or died in the damn river on Oregon Trail. Although a, a listener noted that when you play it as an adult, you're really good at it. But as a kid, it's really hard. Kane, do you remember playing Oregon Trail and then you would die of uh, something like drown in a river? You would die of dysentery and it showed like the little wagon and green on black. So I said, oh, died a speaker race. <laughs> because we're at day four. Now, here's the thing. McCarthy's gaining votes. He's flipped some votes. Going to be interesting. And I told you guys all to watch Chip Roy. He just flipped four votes. Dan Bishop, Josh Breachin, Michael Cloud, and Andrew Clyde. And Byron Donalds. That was fifth. So Byron Donalds voted for McCarthy. I think at this point it's going to be done. And then I think what you'll see, watch Chip Roy. He's going to probably be named chair of rules committee. And then it's done. When they got Donalds, that was it. So I think at this point, 
um, that's that's it'll probably get I mean, it probably get resolved today. I'm I'm guessing it at, at, here. Now, one of the things if this if it goes continues to go this way and McCarthy continues to gain momentum, here's the issue: he is going to have to do a lot of reconciliation to bring that party together. And that's going to be the the strength of his medal is going to be tested this way. He's going to have to bring all these people together to get the the voters' agenda done, and he's going to have a lot to prove. Because with it being this contested, if Republicans maintain the House majority, he may not. I mean, it could be a fight the next time too. So it all remains to be seen. But that's the latest. He's flipped votes. We're going to talk more about this and also. Uh, get it because I got woke Ray. I have a whole bunch of other things for you, and uh, what all we can expect. We we can't even, we can't schedule anything. I'm I'm wondering when the president's State of the Union address is going to be because I just want to see him talk about the patch and the world, the genes of the world again. It's an actual soundbite. I'm not making this up. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. So, welcome back to the program, Dana Lash here. We're watching the 12th ballot vote. McCarthy's flipped, what, five votes now? Almost? Yeah. Uh, Bishop, Breachin, Cloud, Clyde, Donalds. So, that's five votes that have flipped towards him. So, that brings him up to, what, 206? Yeah, 207, possibly. Yeah, well, they had, Ken, Ken Buck was out because of health issues. So, that lowered oh, the vote okay. count that he needs to get from 218 to 217 now. So, that's the latest and there's a lot i told you yesterday to watch chip roy because there's a lot of discussion that roy could be prevailed upon he does not here's the backstory and if you've missed it uh, we talked about it earlier this week too he even discussed it when he was on with me one of the things that would make the house freedom caucus apparently feel better is if they had someone of uh, from their group with a little more seniority like roy to chair the rules committee because they're the one of the concerns, and this was something apparently that uh, McCarthy agreed to. This was one of the concessions. The concern is that all these other concessions and all these other rules mean that uh, it, it, unless they have influence on the rules committee, something could be because under Boehner and Pelosi, things could be waived. Um, you know, under anybody really, and it was often frequently under both of them. So they want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Any of these concessions, like how many seventy-two hours, although that's something McCarthy apparently wanted to. Some of these other uh, to read bills, some of these other concessions that they made, they want to make sure that none of that can be waived. And so they, I think, they want Roy. Roy was okay with being on the committee, but he didn't want to chair it because that meant he would have to leave his kids a day earlier and get to D.C. Sunday to be ready for their committee meetings on Monday since he was would be the chair and he really is i think mad about he doesn't want to do it but i think there to but i think he realizes that with all of this happening that might be the only way to to bring everybody together and i think that he's trying to get some he might be having from what i understand there's been a lot of discussion that he might be trying to they might be trying to make that happen and he and mccarthy have been talking uh so if he flips, I think it'll be done at that point. So that's the one still to watch. Twelfth round. There's five votes that have flipped. There's momentum. Another quick note, too. I want to correct myself. This rarely happens. I think in the, all the times I've been on air, this is only the second time I've ever had to do this. So yesterday, I noted that uh, Trump, there was a statement that came out from Trump that he withdrew his endorsement on McCarthy. 
He came out last night and said that's a hoax. It was reported everywhere. He said that wasn't true. And he has not withdrawn his, his endorsement of McCarthy. And I know, right? Low piano keys here. What's happening? This is all wild. So we're going to keep an eye on all of this and see what, because this is going to go on and on. We, I mean, there's, there's stuff people got to plan, I'm telling you. So we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on it. It's just, it is wild. You know, I mean, it's, it is, it is kind of wild to see all of this, the way that it's, it goes down. I just like, would like a little bit of transparency. You know, it, it was, it was just, uh, I would like to see a little bit of transparency. Because so much of this stuff is, you know, cloak and dagger and it doesn't need to be. Isn't it weird to accept that something might be uh, for the voters if it's not done in front of the voters for them to see? Right? I don't know. I just, or maybe I'm just a cynic. I just don't trust anybody. When uh, we have our second hour coming up, we've got, we've got Florida Man on the way. Disney is backing off. The new CEO promises the mouse is going to be less woke. Now, this all happens. Florida has announced a major new initiative. They're announcing all kinds of stuff. They're doing all kinds of cool stuff. So DeSantis is backing a plan to take uh, to, to not only run Disney's land, but also now they've created an educational commission, too. And uh, we're going to talk about all of that. They're going to keep uh, teachers and hold schools accountable. This is pretty interesting. Stay with us. I think it's embarrassing. I do. And there, there's, now there's a lot of hard feelings on, on, on both sides. Again, you have 90% of the caucus, 90% of the caucus standing firmly behind Kevin McCarthy. Uh, is, is he perfect? No. I don't, I don't think anyone is perfect. But how you win battles is you leverage the chairman, you leverage the members, you listen to the members and lead forward and articulate what is it the Republicans, what's our goal? Uh, that's Ryan Zink, and he's uh, talking about the speaker race. Welcome back to the program. Got breaking news, too. Top of the second hour here. Uh, we had a slew of more votes. Now, McCarthy has, he didn't win this 12th round. I'm going to go ahead and call it. The next round is done. Yeah. Uh, and here's why. Uh, Mary Miller, Illinois, just switched. Anna Paulina Luna cited good faith that McCarthy would uphold the deal. She, she switched. Uh, I anticipate Roy is going to vote for McCarthy. Roy and Perry typically mirror each other and vote. Um, and so that is, that's the latest. So that's how this is all going. Very interesting. And so this, all the media and everybody else is going to focus on, oh, it's 12 rounds. That, so th- this is, that's the latest though. And before we went to break, there were six that had flipped. Bishop, uh, Brachine, Cloud, Clyde, Donalds. And now... You and and Paul Gosar can he can he it was a placeholder he didn't answer on the first roll call so he can vote at the end. Anna Paulina Luna went McCarthy, Mary Miller McCarthy, Norman McCarthy. That's eight flip. That's eight vote flips so far. Uh, so that's and remember that is. I mean he's. It, I think he's got it after the next round. And so. That'll be also the Tennessee freshman uh, Andrew Oglis placeholder. No answer on first roll. He can vote on the end. Uh, a couple other. So Chip Roy just voted McCarthy. It's done. It's done. It's done. They might. They'll. That's it. It's going to be done. Ch- that means Chip Roy will probably chair rules committee. So. Oh, I love. I love calling out like this is like I'm. It's like Super Bowl, man. I'm such a dork. So that's it. 
That is it. That's the uh, that's and that's that's huge. Question. Yes. Is is his threshold still two seventeen? Um, I think because Ken is Ken Buck back yet? Because I don't think so. Ken Buck left um, last night because of a health issue, and usually, and that meant that lowered yesterday. That lowered the threshold. Let me modify that. Last evening, that lowered it for, uh, to two seventeen, I believe, and. That I I, I so mean it looks that's like he'll come right in at two seventeen then. Yeah, I'm watching. Uh, I'm looking at this right now. So in case you're just joining us, I, the race for speaker is pretty much over. Uh, even if they have to do one more round, they had uh, they flipped. Uh, oh, what eleven twelve yeah. votes? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, and Chip Roy just changed his vote. Uh, Byron Donalds, Anna Paulina Luna, um, Bishop, Perry, Norman. Uh, Miller from Illinois, Mary Miller flipped, went, uh, went, voted for McCarthy. So that tells me they got what they, just know that I've talked to so many people back channel and I, I have to, you know, assure them that I'm not going to name call in order to get information that I can share with you, my listeners, because I feel like not enough people are being transparent. So he didn't do it in the 12th round, but 13th he will, because when you had Perry, and uh, Roy, Flip, and Donalds—that's gonna—that's gonna do it. Uh, so I think one more round. I'd be shocked if it didn't all get all wrapped up in the thirteenth. But the and they had eleven or eleven twelve vote flips. So when I was talking to people, there are of the holdouts or the people who were objecting. There were some of the people who were objecting who had legitimate. Objections. I don't disagree with the concerns made about waiving rules. I think that's significant. If you can make concessions and then have rules waived, that's a significant thing. And I think that Chip Roy was right. He mentioned that when he was on the show earlier this week. You can find that interview up on YouTube, on Facebook. That's significant. Uh, and he wanted to make sure, and others wanted to make sure, that there were protections to prevent things being way I, I'm going to throw out the 72 hour for reading legislation as an example although from my understanding and when McCarthy was on the show weeks ago that's one of the things that he had said he would like to change or, or maintain rather they want to have the 72 hour rule uh, but using it as an example that could be waived by the rules committee you know what people are fighting on the foot so they wanted to make sure things like that couldn't happen so that's a legitimate thing however I've spoken to others who would not who could not actually articulate to me what the holdout was why they still I had um, um, a couple of people say well it's a matter of uh, trust I'm like well isn't that kind of this issue with voters and all politicians so I'm just kind of wondering here like that's and so that's that's so some of them legitimately were, they had actual concerns and they were trying to rectify that. Some of them did, I gotta be honest, some of them didn't. Some of them I thought, um, thought that it, I, I guess thought it would, it, 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 that the lack of, they, they wanted to keep it a mystery. I don't know what, I don't know what to think. I don't want to cast dispersions onto their motives, but I'm like, when you're not transparent, that invites that. So it looks as though, and I said to watch Roy, 
so I, I told you yesterday that he'll probably, I would imagine he would chair that committee. So it looks like everything that the House Freedom Caucus and the ones who were seriously doing the negotiations, it sounds like they got everything that they wanted. Now, round three, I look, round 13, I look for McCarthy to, I look for this to be wrapped. I don't, it definitely will not go past today. Uh, but he's got to, he's got to bring the party together. Because you started off the first week in a new session on this foot. So he's got to bring the, the party together and he's got to do some serious, has to do some serious uh, pushing and, and, and to make sure that everybody's brought back on the same plane. Because there's a lot of stuff that needs to get done. First and foremost, you're going to have to deal with the Senate because you, you don't have a majority in the Senate. One of the first things they want to do is stop the funding for the 87,000 IRS agents. Now, they can throw a wrench in that. The Senate's not going to approve anything, but the House is the power of the purse. So they're going to have to throw a wrench in that somehow. And that's one of the things that they wanted to do. They also are going to have oversight on intel and all that. So, and I know Jim Jordan is chomping at the bit. He is a bulldog. And House Judiciary Committee, that's a powerful position. So... You're, it looks like y'all are going to, I love what Steve said. Steve goes, it's almost like it's Friday. <laughs> it's like people are, they're, they're wanting to go home now. But it's true though. You, you guys are going to have a good weekend now if we get, could get stuff wrapped up. There, and I'll have you know this. There is not a single politician with whom I agree on 100% of things. I don't agree with anybody 100%. Holy cow, like me now doesn't agree with me when I was 21. So that's, you're never going to find perfect agreement. This is why I like Reagan's dictum, even though my friend uh, Vodka Pundit said that it's been murdered. <laughs> Reagan always said that my 80% friend is not my 20% enemy. And that's true. I mean, now, granted, there are a couple of things, you know, my, my guns in life and my tax money, I don't want you messing with me on because then we'll fight because those are especially my guns in life, right? So... Beyond that, your 80% friend is not your 20% enemy. And you got you to gotta get along with people. I could not, I mean, I'd be caning somebody. There's no way I could, I could not deal with this. I would be so mad. I would have to, they'd call Capitol Police and have me arrested. There's, I'd be slapping people on the floor. I do not have the patience for this dog and pony show. I really don't. I can't imagine, can you imagine being in there in your little suit? All damn day listening to people make the same damn remarks every single time they're going to nominate some. Oh, my gosh. This is like the it's a process in the Republic, but I really get their uh, British parliamentary vibes from them all yelling when they do their remarks and people groaning and all that stuff. So I think that uh, this is good. This is going to be interesting. I will say this, too. I really do feel that Congressman Chip Roy showed the way to. uh handle this and resolve it i think chip roy did more than any other house of representative objector i do i think he showed how you handle it he wanted to get he wanted to just get it done so they could get the business of the people done and that's what they were there that's what they're there to do and I also kind of like the attraction in having someone in a position that doesn't want it. You know, like, it, like the more they don't want the position, the more I kind of want them to in it. 
I'm not going to say that I wasn't above telling people, is there any way to force Jim Jordan, like lock him in the room for the speaker job? Is there a way to lock him in the speaker's office? So, so the other the other aspect of this is I guess that Kevin McCarthy's not going to have to move his stuff out yeah. of the uh, speaker's office. I mean, that's just saying. Now, Victoria Sparts of Indiana, she also, she voted present on the last several ballots. And she switched. I like her a lot. I met her in Georgia. I like Victoria Sparts. I really do like her. Uh, and I say this as, you know, their politics. I don't dislike her policies. I think she, she articulates the message of liberty very, very well. Uh she switched this round too. So, and she was one of the more serious ones. So that looks like that is it's a done deal at this point. That's what it's looking like. So we'll have one more round, but I, I don't see this. I I mean, do you Kane? I really don't see that. This uh, round, he might fall short by one this round, but like you said, next round, it'll be a lock in. I'm mm -hmm. sure. So it should be, this should be interesting. So that's, uh, if you're joining us, the, the 12th round, McCarthy picked up a ton of votes. And Chip Roy, among them, Chip Roy, Byron Donalds. So it looks like this is getting wrapped up. So that's, uh, that's going to be the latest. And so it's the, he's, gotten, he's gotten a lot of the opposition on his side. And he's got momentum. And so it looks like this will be wrapped up, if not next round, definitely today. So that's the latest with the house race. That was fun. That was kind of fun going through that round together. So they started their, 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 they always have to say it's possible today. You know what's going to happen. It's going to be that vote today. They're going to do it. All right. So some of the other stuff I want to make sure we get to also. Because it's been, goodness. Disney has said that the new, C, the new CEO says that the mouse is going to be less woke. Bob Iger says he's going to be less woke. I take this as a victory, don't you? I mean, I still am not a fan of them. But I take it as a victory. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Also, uh, one other vote coming in. We're watching the speaker's race. It's going to be pretty much done after the next round. Uh, Texas uh, Representative uh, Beth Van Dyne, also a McCarthy vote, along with Chip Roy, Byron Donalds, Anna Paulina Luna, uh, uh, a ton of others. Uh, so we're going to bring you the latest on that. Also, MacBook owners. Hmm, I was looking at this. MacBook owners are eligible to claim up to $395 for a fraudulently concealed keyboard flaw. Keyboard flaw. I know. They said that the company agreed to the payout in July last year. People who took their MacBook in for repair to the mid to late 2010s about the keyboard, they said that Apple introduced the butterfly keyboard. It caused the MacBooks to be thinner but caused technical problems for customers who bought them because they'd type on their keyboard and then characters would repeat unexpectedly. Letters or characters wouldn't appear. The keys would feel sticky or they didn't respond in a consistent manner. And so they said Apple was aware of the issues and then just hid them from customers until they phased out the keyboard design. So they said that for people who had to swap out one key, it depends on what you can get. It goes, I think, up to 395 but it depends on how many times you had to swap out your keyboard or what kind of tech assistance or uh, hardware repair you had to have. So that's that's one of the things. Uh, the world is running out of sand. What? I feel like here's a an industry we could get into, Kane. Uh, so apparently, I've heard this before, and I just kind of put it at the back of my mind. Yeah, they said apparently there might not be any sand left because the world's running out of sand. 
running out of it. 33% of the earth is covered in desert and we're running out of sand. Yes, but desert sand is not like sea sand. And it, according to the science people, it lacks the compressive strength needed to construct houses and skyscrapers, roads and bridges. So in the world of construction, desert and sea sand are totally useless. So you have to have a speci- you have to have like appropriate sand. And China is apparently trying to take everyone's sand, including deploying pirates to raid neighboring countries like Taiwan. This is a real thing. Who knew? Stick with us. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's the Dana Show. The January sixth insurrection shook our republic to the core. For many in the Congress and across our country, the physical, psychological, and emotional scars are still raw. Yet from the unspeakable horror sprang extraordinary heroism. Law enforcement heroes confronted the insurrectionists to protect the Capitol, the Congress, and our Constitution. I need a moment. Can I just have a moment? You ever get in one of the moods, you hear something so dumb? First off, welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you, your lovable curmudgeon. You ever get in one of the moods? And my grandma used to do this. She'd get real fed up with something. And she'd go, Jesus, put a hand over my mouth. And it was always like, Jesus. Like she'd put more than two syllables. Yeah, I don't even know how. Like I (laughs) don't know how that works that she would. I feel like that right now. Like, Jesus, put a hand over my... And hers was actually a prayer. Like, she was, like, pleading for mercy. Like, I'm going to do something violent. Someone is tempting me to violence. <laughs> Grandma chose violence. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the program. So, if you're just joining us, I'm going to move on to some other topics here real quick. You had... Uh, there's only seven opposition votes now to McCarthy. And he is three votes shy of the required total to clinch speaker with uh, Chip Roy, uh, changing his vote to McCarthy along with Byron Donald's uh, number of people. If, and and I just have to say, I think that the way uh, that Roy handled it is the way to handle it going forward. Now, there's seven people who are still in opposition. Biggs, Boebert, Crane, Gates, Good, Harris, Rosendale. If one of them votes present, it lowers the threshold required. That means he would only need two votes. That might be a way for some folks to save face. Just saying. So that's the, and uh, that's, so that's the latest. Uh, Lorraine's writing up something for you to actually look at, because I know a lot of people like to be like, where's this down at? Where's this at? And they like to have something to look at. So Lorraine's getting you set up while she's also like dealing with the chat. Uh, And we thank her for that. That's, so that's the latest with this. I want to switch gears here because coming up next hour, we're uh, talking to uh, a good conservative writer, a reporter, uh, Nate Hockman, who's, he's, he wrote this piece some time ago about the transgender uh, fight in a number of states and, and really what was ultimately happening with the transgender fight in uh, South Dakota. And we've had Governor Christy Noem on. And we've talked to her about this before, too. And I, I don't like it when... when I, I believe in healthy debate on the same side. I don't like 
sloppy hits. Does that make sense? I mean, if you're going to take a hit politically and you're going to make, you know, launch a broadside on somebody on your side, don't leave yourself open. And so this was weird because I saw all of this happen online as it was happening. It was weird. So Nate Hawkman was doing what reporters should do. He was writing. He wrote a huge piece. And it's a, it's a, it was a really good piece. How Gender Ideology Conquered South Dakota. It is. And I, I sent this to you in your email prep this morning. Actually, no. Last night in a separate piece on this. You need to read it. It is in-depth with lo- everything cited. It is good. And he was saying... He, gave, he illustrated how one of the most conservative states in the country ultimately ended up being conquered by gender ideology. And he got into research, like they had a, uh, and different surveys. He said that there's, it was, it, what really caught his eye is that there was a major trade conference, conference for transgender medical specialists in the state. He said the Sanford Research Center in Sioux Falls was scheduled to host such an event. And this was back... Uh, I think what a, a couple couple of years ago. Oh, sorry, twenty yeah, twenty twenty. He said it was the third annual Midwest Gender Identity Summit. It was going to review the needs of transgender patients and healthcare, and he thought that it was weird that you know in Cherry Red, South Dakota, that it was he cited the Washington Post that it was the unlikely epicenter of a transgender uprising on the American Great Plains. I just all of a sudden had a, an attack on Titan thing in my head where like transgender uprising and they're giant titans that you know anyway so which actually if you think about the sorry sidebar kane's the only one who understands me here right now if you think about the physiology and anatomy of the titan kane that actually does make some sense i'm just gonna say okay anyway only anime fans are gonna get that all right so moving back to the piece that's what you're here for the summit was co-hosted by sanford health uh and a transgender advocacy group and he, that's where he starts. And he looks at all of these different, this, the Sanford Transformation Project, larger forces working to bring the transgender movement, movement to the deepest red corners of the United States. They said it's a coordinated, well-funded campaign for which South Dakota has become something of a trial run. They said that uh, no one thought South Dakota was a state where it could be, where this could be stopped. Um, they said that Sanford purports to be the largest rural health system in the United States, employing seven times more South Dakotans Dakotans than any other business in the state. And they he says that they play a pivotal role in orchestrating these conservative failures in this fight. He uh, noted a deep dive investigative piece on the medical giants links to the failure of House Bill 1217, which would have banned males from competing in women's sports. Now, this is when uh, Governor Noam sparked a lot of uh, outrage in conservative circles because she vetoed the bill earlier that year. She tried to reintroduce something similar on the onset of the next legislative session. But there were a lot of people and some people I trust very much so who had very detailed criticisms of how this was going to of of why uh, of her vetoing that bill. Now, they said on the same day that Noam issued her veto, the company announced a $50 million expansion of the Sanford Sports Complex, an an athletic facility that stood to lose serious revenue if NCAA pulled its games from the state in protest. So they said that wasn't the only social conservative legislation Sanford lobbied against. 
So it went into the influence that Sanford exerted on the governor's office itself. And they were questioning Noam's relationship with the company that has a record of left-wing cultural activism. And they noted that when she reversed her position on women's sports, the influence, however, in South Dakota remained. There was a Daily Signal report that showed that the Department of Health entered into a six-figure contract with the Transformation Project for a Community Health Worker Program. Uh, And so they started asking questions. And so doing what he does, and we're going to talk more about this next hour because Nate's going to join us. Doing what he does, he reached out to ask questions about what is happening in South Dakota, and he reached out to Governor Christy Noem's office. And I just thought this was so weird. It's like a study in contrast. Because Tuesday, as the House Republicans kicked off their infighting, you had Florida Governor Ron DeSantis taking the oath of office, and... In his inaugural address, he was celebrating all the accomplishments that his office in the now supermajority Republican Florida legislature had accomplished. And it was refreshing. But I understand that politicians that have their eyes on 2024 find that threatening. And that's the only thing I can think of to explain the reaction that Nate Hockman got when he reached out to Noam's office for comment on that story I just was telling you about. So when she was asked about the movement growing roots in her state, her team responded by attacking DeSantis. In fact, not just that they unloaded. They accused him in the response. So weird. In, it's so weird. In the response to the piece, they accused him. I'm pulling this up. Of... Uh, I guess being for abortion, Nate Hockman said that while reporting for a piece about transgender lobbies, outsized influence in South Dakota, I reached out to Ian Fury, that's her comms guy, to see if the governor's office was interested in providing a statement. Fury responded with a lengthy statement rejecting, quote, any implication that Governor Noem is overly cozy with any major lobbying groups. Uh, And then in the follow up email, he went on an unprompted diatribe about the contrast between Noem and DeSantis. And he said that, uh, Where is Governor DeSantis hiding behind a 15-week ban? Does he believe that 14-week-old babies don't have a right to live? Now, this is kind of weird because DeSantis has already said that he would sign an abortion ban. And that was even before they had the supermajority Republican legislature in Florida, which they now have. And that's one of the that is one of the things that they're looking to do. I actually I had the pleasure of talking with the governor recently. That is one of the things that they want to make. It's not not just an order. Legislate it. And aside from that, the 15-week thing has always been considered, and you guys know where I stand on the issue, I'm, I'm, if you want to save lives, you need to walk away from the left's taxpayer-funded abortion on demand with no limitations, even if it's incrementally. Every little move, every move further and further back towards protecting life saves lives. And you really, you do need a supermajority for that. So Florida was a very competitive state still maybe we're, we'll, we'll wait and see but right now i mean i think they're set for the next you know six to eight years but 15 weeks is considered politically doable because that's where the majority of americans fall and then you continue to fight towards life from that perspective 
And so DeSantis has already said, heck yes, I'm, I'd sign that. And the supermajority Florida legislatures already indicated that's one of the things they would they want to do. So I don't understand this attack from Noam's office. But one of the things that Hockman noted is that this is not the first time that they've done this. She like uh, went after him in 2021. And she tried to say that he was that she was more anti lockdown than him. Except this exists. Audio soundbite six. We will be using appropriate enforcement measures as necessary that I do have at my disposal. But we have not run into an incidence yet where that's been necessary. I think the question was who specifically would enact that enforcement. This is about lockdowns. It, it would be it's in my executive order. So I would expect that if there's enforcement action to be taken, it would be mine. So that was her audio from April 2020 wanting to enforce a lockdown. This is what I'm saying. When you do sloppy hits, you open yourself up for attacks that you did not need to open yourself up to. She's on camera admitting that she wanted to enforce a lockdown and the state legislature blocked her in spite of her. They blocked her. So, It is a stupid attack for Noam's team to make because it invites everyone to revisit this past stuff. She could make the case for herself with action instead of attack while not alienating people who think that DeSantis is doing a good job. My gosh, I didn't realize we were so rich in solid conservative Republicans that we can do this stupid stuff. Like my grandma said, Jesus, what a hand over my mouth. We got to get moving. We uh, have Florida Man on the way as well, and you don't want to miss Florida Man. Uh, And uh, third hour, we're going to talk to Nate Hockman about this story. Stick with us. We got more in store. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. Listen, I'm on the floor, Laura. These 212 Democrats are going to vote for Hakeem Jeffries every single time. He is a historic candidate for them. They are not going to cleave off under any circumstance. I assure you that if Democrats join up to elect a moderate Republican, I will resign. Okay, first off, that's not right. That is not right. I don't dislike Matt Gaetz at all. Um, I know him. He's nice. We get along great. He's a nice guy. But that's not... Let's be... Let's be real that is not what has ever been brought up what they talked about is getting hakeem jeffries to keep enough democrats out of the house to lower the threshold to get the numbers now that still requires a negotiation but it doesn't mean you end up electing someone that democrats want so that's a little bit disingenuous right there so it's it's specious in that yes there were negoti- someone brought up a negotiation, but from what I know, that was not seriously entertained by anybody. Uh, secondly, there was uh, the, who was it that brought it up? I'm trying to remember his name. I was like looking at my notes, so forgive me. I was looking, who was it that brought it up? We had the audio. He was the one who suggested, well, maybe we'll, that was always about, yeah, thank you. Because uh, I, I, I kept saying, it's not good. Who was it? it was saying, yes, bacon. Um, to have a certain number stay out, and then that way it lowers the threshold for what McCarthy would be required to get for a vote. Hakeem Jeffries wouldn't go for something like that unless there was something offered. So that's the thing. That's what it was. 
And it was apparently only brought up by Bacon. And apparently there were moderate Republicans that a couple of them, not all of them, a couple of them that were like, hell no, are you stupid? So that's just so you know. I want to make sure we clarify everything here. I, uh, otherwise, I don't really got I don't have a dog in this fight. I just want to make sure you know what's going on because I feel like sometimes, you know, people get played. And if I have the ability to bring out some information for you, I will. All right. You know what it's time for. Most sensible person in the country. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. It's time for Florida Man. A Florida woman Amber sent me a story about a massage parlor thing that I just don't feel comfortable. You you don't even know exactly where I I'd, saw that story and I didn't send it to you. I know. Oh, but you know they will. All y'all in Florida will send it. Let's see if she reads this. That's what you guys think. I know because you send me this stuff like double dog daring me to read this. And I'm like, I cannot read this on air. Well, if they can post it. Someone said if they can make a news story out of it, you can read it on air. LOL. You barely read that woman's name. <laughs> I actually have a mind to make some of our Florida listeners call in and read their own, these own stories that they send me because there's y'all sometimes it's too much. All right. Let's get in it. So, uh, first and foremost, a, I don't understand why somebody did this. A man tried to break back into jail five hours after he was released. I don't know. Florida man said he threw the rock through the main entrance of a correctional center because he wanted to go back to jail. 39-year-old Kenneth Hunt. Uh, and he did go back to jail. <laughs> I guess that's one way to do it, right? I mean, I, I don't. I don't encourage people to do dumb things like that, but I guess that's one way. Uh, let's see this also. Dun, dun, dun. A, uh, oh, this is not that. I actually put, I put this link in the wrong spot. Uh, this Florida man was arrested for, oh, death penalty for this guy. You guys know how I feel about this. Florida man was arrested for poisoning multiple neighborhood pets with antifreeze. The month-long investigation led authorities to a bowl of tuna mixed with antifreeze. He was arrested Wednesday of this week. He poisoned multiple pets in his neighborhood. Jeremy Gordon Stromwell, 36, faces four counts of aggravated animal cruelty. And the investigation began when people were calling law enforcement. They said all their pets in their area, they were, they were, having, they were super sick and they were seizing. And they tested and they realized, oh, wow, it was cats and dogs. And so they said that, they had ingested uh, antifreeze, like a large quantity of it. And so they investigated and they found that he had all kinds of uh, pet food, fish flavored rat poison, uh, antifreeze concentrate. You know, I'll take care of that this little problem for you for free, Florida. Yeah. I'll even pay my own way down there and back. You guys know how I feel about scum like this. Third hour on the way. Stick with us. So why has it taken two years for President Biden to go to the southern border? Poppy, um, uh, we have been dedicating uh, our efforts to the situation at the border since day one. Uh, We are incredibly proud of our frontline personnel who are tirelessly and selflessly dedicated uh, to the mission. No one believes The president knows the border very well. He has um, had his secretary of Homeland Security visit. Oh, my gosh, I'm already done. Nope, that's that's not. Yeah, that's not. That's Alejandro Mayorkas. He knows the border very well. He's done. Nobody believes us. Does he know? I just, again, when he goes, he says that he intends to go to El Paso to visit the southern border next week. I I hope that he's, he has somebody, I hope he doesn't go to the wrong border. 
I hope he goes south and not north. I don't know if there's like an El Paso in any of the northern states. I'm just saying it could happen. You know, I'm just. Oh, my gosh. Welcome back to the show. Third hour. Dana Lash here. You're mostly lovable curmudgeon today. We were giving you the update about the house. I think it'll all be wrapped up 13th round. A lot of uh, there are a number, significant number of uh, opposition switched to McCarthy. Apparently a lot of particularly about rules committee. There were a lot of things that were negotiated and apparently agreed upon. So that's all. Those are good things to go forward. Um, We're going to we'll keep you updated with all of that. They are not going to be adjourning. So the 13th round will take place here momentarily. Now, for this, I wanted to play with you because it's also January 6th and it wouldn't be a Friday. That's January 6th. If I didn't play. What's this? Oh, so this is 18. This is Hakeem Jeffries. And they act like he's one of the individuals that has said crazy stuff like, oh, it's it is it's the worst attack since like the Civil War or anything like that. You know, forget the world wars of one and two and uh, good heavens. Uh, yeah. 9-11 Pearl Harbor. You know, just forget about all that. Listen, this is the this is the uh, dim leader. Listen. Today, members of the House of Representatives in a bipartisan way. Bipartisan. Pause in solemn recognition of the violent attack on the Capitol that occurred two years ago on January 6th, 2021. We are joined by the families of several heroic police officers who gave their lives. I thought I was going to last and I just can't. They're trying to make it such a they they keep saying like Officer Brian Sicknick was murdered by he they had a forensic analysis and they said that he it was a health complication like a pre-existing thing that had nothing to do with the riot and it was days after. So I don't that's not that's not where the reality of the situation. But speaking of bipartisanship, you want to know the reality of the situation? Let me pull this up because this is a big um, what? So the January 6th committee, this is according to Washington Post, uh, they kind of accidentally exposed 2,000 social security numbers from a number of Republican officials, uh, governors, and their families. (laughs) Whoops. The document was finally removed from a government website, but you guys know the Internet's forever. They said that it appeared to list social security numbers of all these governors, federal judges, and members of Trump's cabinet. Had all their social security numbers and everything up there. That's kind of a big whoops, isn't it? How does that happen? 1,900 of them, according to Washington Post, and it came from White House visitor logs supplied to the committee. This is how JV this is. The J6 committee just forgot to redact them from the spreadsheet that they released to the public as part of their final report. They forgot to redact them or they did it on purpose as penalty so they could pretend that it was an oversight later. That's what I think it was. The story says that buried in all of the info was the spreadsheet with the 1900 social security numbers, all from visitors to the White House in December of 2020, members of Trump's cabinet, Republican governors, numerous Trump allies. Uh, Apparently everyone from Greg Abbott the governors Greg Abbott and Henry McMaster had their numbers on there. Everybody. Ben Carson. Everybody had their numbers on there. Uh, Christy Noem's kids. Their social security numbers were exposed. No one warned them. No one told them before or after either. No one wanted to comment and validate the data. 
so the committee that because now you have scammers and identity thieves out there judges all kinds of stuff and no one at all whatsoever reached out even after they discovered it and said oh wow we accidentally did this whoops our bad we screwed up no one did this they didn't do it they said someone said well it was inadvertent some others say it was incompetent i mean at this point was it on purpose i don't know it just Hard to think that it's not revenge. I mean, didn't this committee say they were competent? But you're going to expose all of this out? That's so, that is really something. And if you wanted further proof that this is just, it's just pretty unbelievable. All right, a couple of things. I said that Bob Iger... Disney's new CEO they switched Bob's they got rid of the old Bob and they brought in the new Bob kind of who was an old Bob but now he's a new Bob again and he says it's going to be less woke he said that he wants to quiet things down and that's I guess he said that he was dissatisfied with the way that uh, Chris Rufo published a video saying that uh, he said that he was not happy with the way that Disney was, the way they were running. He said, you have to have respect for people you're serving. I don't know. Is it a good, does it mean victory? I mean, I don't know. They ruined Star Wars, so I don't know. Is it victory? I know that has nothing to do maybe with, it does. You know what it does? Because uh, what was it, the one where they had the chick who was the Mary Sue, the Rose in the, one of the, the last ones with the new chick. I can't remember. They, they, they dropped so many of them, they watered it down, and it's just like garbage. I'm so mad about it. I'm not, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Are they acquiring JoJo? Because I read that somewhere. Oh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I've never rioted in my life, but I may. I may be tempted to, if that's true. I'm not even kidding. Like, I may. We may have to get someone to kindly encourage me to stop. That, anyway. So, I don't know if that... that I mean, it... it Do you believe that they will be? I'm not quite sure. Then there was news that came out that the legislation, remember how Disney had all these self-governing powers and they had very special treatment as compared to every other corporation. And then when it was, when they were told they had to play by the same rules as everyone else, there was all this weeping and gnashing of the teeth. So now there's a plan. They're introducing a bill under DeSantis, Florida legislature, that's going to replace their governing board with a state run board. Hmm. The notice was posted uh, in the, it, the notice was posted on the respective county. It houses part of Disney World along with Orange County. And they said the it's not a corporate kingdom, said his communications director, which I think is so great. That is corporate kingdom. Okay, sidebar. That is a theme park. Corporate kingdom. kingdom Where you everyone gets a yellow notepad and a standard Bic pen. And you just get to go sit in different boardrooms all day. That's the corporate kingdom. Anyway, they said under the legislation, Disney no longer controls its own government. They have to live under the same laws as everyone else. They're responsible for their debts. They pay their, their taxes. It's a state-controlled board that ensures the county cannot use the issue as a pretext to raise taxes on residents. They said they're going to ensure that the company will pay upwards of $700 million in unsecured debt accumulated by their special jurisdiction known as the Reedy Creek Improvement District, not Orange County taxpayers. That is so smart. That's good. 
That is good. So they dissolved their special governing power. And now so no one's because everyone the fear mongering was everyone's taxes is going to go up. But no, it's not. In fact, now it's going to be that and they have a super majority. Your taxes ain't going up. They're just going to have to pay what they owe like every other company. I, th- I thought the like the left, the left is all mad about this. I thought they loved the whole pay your fair share, except corporations. When did they love corporations not paying their fair share? White is black, black is white. Everything's nuts. What happened? Golly, crazy. Now, one more note about Florida, too. This is wild to me. The, I saw this, I just happened to see this on Twitter, Florida Jolt. Remember how we were talking about how, what is it, Miami Beach and Palm Beach County, they went, uh, Miami-Dade and Palm Beach, they went Republican, which has never happened. That both of them went Republican, and it's never happened. It is so Republican in Florida. It's, I mean, and this one, which is amazing, uh, the Palm Beach County Commissioner, uh, it came out today, DeSantis appointed Michael Barnett, the Palm Beach County Commissioner, for a 4-3 GOP majority. Do you realize what a major flip that is? That's never been Republican. Oh, my gosh. Like, when you hear about, oh, the county flipped, and you're like, wow, that's wild. And then you see that this means actual, measurable, you know, uh, impactful positions being switched. That's huge. So that's really, dang, that's really significant. That is incredibly significant. So they're doing all kinds of stuff there. They had this educational commission. I was going to put this up. Uh, Chris Rufo announced that he's so he's going to be on the board of trustees for the uh, for the new College of Florida. This is actually amazing. So they're a, they've they have the new College of Florida, and they're. The agenda, they said they're transforming it. They're shifting the university to a classical liberal arts model, restructuring their administration and mission statement. They got new core curriculum and an actual academic master plan. They're abolishing the DEI garbage. Uh, The left is going to be apoplectic over that. But that is major. What I like is that it's not just talk. It's actually, have you noticed the talk is after the action? Like they just do it. And then they're like, by the way, this is what we did. It's actually pretty cool. So, mm, mm, mm. so that's good stuff. So can we get to past 13 rounds now switching gears and looking back in D.C.? It's kind of depressing to talk about that after you list all this actual stuff that's happening. And then you go back and you're like, oh, well, huh. They're still slap fighting. Just going to say we have headlines on the way. And then coming up, Nate Hockman. He's. I thought it was an interesting piece and I was going to have him on. Well, I'm going to talk to him about what was happening with the transgender movement in South Dakota anyway. And some of this, you need to kind of watch this, these sort of relationships in your own state. Use this sort of as like a guide. Uh, But then the side story that spun out of it was like a 2024 slap fight as a way to deflect. It was weird. So we're going to talk to him about this here coming up. You don't want to miss. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. I mean, or we could just karaoke, you know, Beastie Boys. We could just do that, too. All right, first up, uh, this is actually, this is kind of odd. A mom is left horrified by her baby's toy phone because it told disturbing and inappropriate jokes intended for mature audiences. She's like, Walmart, can you explain this, please? Uh, She said that it's the Apparently they got their nine month old son It's like a toy It's like a little toy remote phone thingy And 
it like you press different buttons and it apparently tells jokes and she said they put batteries in it and they gave it to their son and then he started chewing on it pressing buttons and then she said that her her mom was in the room with her son she was in the kitchen and then it was a sexual joke and she said oh my gosh they're trying to figure it out she's like this is from walmart what's happening and so that's apparently that's not the first time that had stuff like that like you oh how does something like that even happen I, I am speechless. Idaho says it's this is so infuriating. So uh, Idaho jail says it's going to try to accommodate the murder suspect in the Idaho killings, the college students, the murder suspect's vegan diet. But we're not going to buy new pots and pans. The sheriff said we are not buying new pots and pans because he's such a vegan. Like apparently the family said that they had to buy his family said they had to buy new pans that don't cook meat in order to cook his food. Here's the thing. You killed people. Kind of the consequence for that is you don't get your little bougie vegan diet, right? Give him a bowl of dirt and call it a day. All your vitamins and minerals and everything else you got in there. If there's some bugs in there, you got protein. So go right ahead. That's re- Are you serious? Are they actually entertaining this? It's La- uh, Leda County. And the official said that they're not going to buy new pots and pans. I guess that was that a request? Because... He's vegan. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't doubt. Apparently, New York Post said he was OCD about his eating habits. Uh, maybe be OCD about not killing people. And then you can be OCD about your eating habits. That's just I just don't think that you have the uh, any room to demand that. This is crazy. Former NFL running back is, is back in ICU after saving his kids from drowning. Oh, this was just, this is New York Post. This was heartbreaking. Uh, So the Peyton Hillis, he was hospitalized after a swimming accident where he saved his kids from drowning. He remains in ICU for treatment on his lungs and kidneys, but doctors say that his health is improving, according to his uncle. So he was in Pensacola. The accident happened. He was was chopper to the hospital uh, and remains unconscious in ICU. Uh, He was in critical condition, um, but they said that everybody's been praying for him and his his kids got, I don't know, got into water trouble and he went out to save him and ended up almost drowning himself uh but gosh what you know that's what dads do this is what dads do this is uh today in stupid or obvious whichever one take your pick hydration can significantly impact your physical health says a study we didn't need that got money somehow really you don't say so being adequately hydrated is important for day-to-day bodily functions apparently so you think Yeah, do breathing and blinking. That's also helpful. See if that helps your eyes. I I don't know. And then a Tesla on autopilot led police on a chase before the driver woke up. That car was trying to, I don't know what that car thought, but that's kind of funny. Stay with us. Nate Hodgman's up next to talk about what's going on in South Dakota. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Welcome back to the program. You can listen across the country and you can watch the simulcast as well on Facebook, YouTube, or via The First. And we've been following a lot of stuff here. And one of the stories that I was telling you about uh, just a little bit ago, this story, I saw this Twitter th- Twitter thread from Nate Hockman. And it was, I sent, I actually linked this in the prep email that I sent out to everyone who reads on Substack. I said, yeah, you all need to read this piece it's incredibly informative and it gets into one of the craziest things that you could imagine the transgender movement getting really deep roots in a state like South Dakota 
And it's South Dakota. It's like one of the reddest places in America, right? You think, how in the world did this happen? Well, Nate Hockman explains it in a really, really good piece. And then kind of a, a, I guess, a complimentary part of this, for the lack of a better way to put it, when he was doing his due diligence as a journalist and reached out to South Dakota Governor Christy Noem's office for comment on this very well-researched piece, he did not get the the response that he thought he would would get. It was actually kind of bizarre. And we're going to talk about all of this with him now. Nate Hockman joins us via Skype, and you can read his work over at National Review. He's written everywhere, uh, also New York Times and a number of other outlets. Nate, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, and this was, this isn't, I mean, it's a very shocking and insightful piece. Tell us a little bit about this, because you think South Dakota, that's about as red as it can get. And yet they're pretty much conquered by this activist transgender movement. It's entrenched. It's in deep. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Dana. And I think that's one of the reasons that I was interested. You know, I was working on this piece for the last couple of months. Uh, and South Dakota, by by sort of ideological ranking, is the third most conservative state in the country. It's had Republican supermajorities since 1996. It's not the kind of state, I think, that you'd expect to find things like sex gene surgeries and, you know, and puberty blockers for 12-year-old kids, men and women's sports. I mean, all the transgender stuff we expect to see in California is also happening in South Dakota. And that's because a large part of the state's Republican party is in bed with this large healthcare interest, Sanford Health, which has a vested interest in pushing that stuff, which is why even a state as deep red as as South Dakota has sort of been taken over by a lot of the the transgender craze. And you got into talking with Nate Hockman, you got into the the history of these relationships, Sanford and the Transformative Project, it's one of the activist groups. You say they're representative of the larger forces working to bring this movement to the deepest red corners of the United States. You add that it's a coordinated, well-funded campaign. And South Dakota is kind of like the trial run. I mean, if they can do it in the third most conservative state in the country, they can do it everywhere. And a lot of elected officials, a lot of politicians have relationships with Sanford. Talk to us about some of that. Right. I mean, the a lot of the transgender activists actually openly say this. They boast about it. They say the fact that we can do it in, in South Dakota means that we can do it everywhere. And to a certain extent, they're right, especially for a really rural, sparsely populated, uh, deep red state like South Dakota, you know, less than a million full time residents. Uh, a company like Sanford, which is valued at seven point five billion dollars and profits from sort of sex changes and puberty blockers, by the way, wow. Uh, wow. is just the largest, most powerful institution in the state. And you have a lot of Republicans in South Dakota. This is why it being Republican supermajority can be so deceiving from the outside looking in who, you know, they're kind of old school chamber of commerce, business friendly Republicans, which has always been a, a, a sort of wing of the, of the Republican Party. But now the businesses that they're in bed with are lobbying for this extremely radical stuff like transgender surgery for kids. And they're going along with it. And I think South Dakotans are unfortunately feeling the consequences. Yeah, I think that's the you, I think you brought up a really important point just because it's a Republican supermajority. You kind of have to ask what type of Republican is it like a Florida Republican or South Dakota? Apparently now South Dakota or Texan Republican. We have a supermajority in Texas, but yet we have some pretty moderate stuff coming through. It's shocking. So how does Governor Christy Nome fit into this? Because this and I remember there was a lot of criticism. Uh, we had her on, I guess it was last year at some point to address some of this. And then there were there was there was uh, there were more that came out from this. But she there was this bill about women, uh, women's sports bill, and she vetoed it. She vetoed protecting women's sports. 
And there was a lot of questions about Sanford's affiliation and their influence in that decision. Right. And this was sort of the first time, to your point, Dana, that this, these sort of reports started coming out. I, I wrote about it back in March uh, 2021, which is when Nome actually vetoed that bill. And that was really shocking to a lot of conservatives, because if people can remember uh, all the way back to 2020, Nome had sort of emerged as a conservative fighter, a mm-hmm. hero for her stance on lockdowns, which were also deceptive, by the way, but that's a different issue. Um, but she was really surprised, uh, or she pr- surprised a lot of her conservative fans by vetoing this bill, which had been passed in a lot of other red states already, keeping transgender women, aka biological men, out of girls' sports. And what came out from investigations that, that I and some other really good conservative journalists did was that her office was teeming with Sanford lobbyists, including some of her closest advisors. And I had sources in her office uh, relaying to me that they had seen these Sanford lobbyists come into her office and tell her to kill the bill. And that's exactly what she did. Uh, and the result of that, obviously, is uh, this, you know, there's a long line of similar bills that Sanford lobbyists have killed. That was just the most high profile one uh, because they control a large part of the South Dakota GOP, including Governor Christie Noem. And this also played into NCAA because apparently there was a facility that received a lot of money from Sanford in order to keep uh, NCAA uh, tournament there at one point, correct? Right, Sanford Sports Complex. Ironically, the same day that Nome issued her veto of that women's sports bill, they announced a $50 million uh, expansion of Sanford Sports Complex. So it's just sort of a little too perfect. That's, um, yeah. But, That's, that, and, it's, it's kind of unbelievable in the irony of that, too. Also, you had noted, so tell me, so you reached out to her office because you're, you, do, you were doing your due diligence as a journalist. And I have to say, I was giving you a lot of praise because you're one of the, few actual journalists who don't just regurgitate or catalog stuff you actually pick up phones and call people and you reached out to her office because you wanted to get you wanted to get her perspective on this and the response i have to say it was bizarre talk to us about this i i, I said a little bit about it i've i've been i was i was shocked to see that kind of response to your question right it was very odd and especially because it was completely unprompted to your point you know it doesn't bring me pleasure to report that you know someone who who i and a lot of other conservatives thought of as this sort of strong conservative fighter was in bed with this company so i wanted to hear if i was missing something uh and what i got in response from ian fury who's gnome's uh, chief of communications was a long diatribe about uh me being a shill for governor ron DeSantis, who's not a politician that i'd brought up at all in my request for comment uh, or anyone who's related to this this story at all, but he totally unloaded uh, on DeSantis completely out of the blue. Said DeSantis was, you know, not really pro-life. That he was he was hiding behind the 15-week abortion ban that he signed. He suggested that DeSantis didn't care if 14-week-old babies were getting killed, uh, and it was totally on the record, which was the oddest thing. So of course, I sort of felt obligated to report that as well. Um, but it was a very odd move from Nome's office. Yeah, and it was weird because I know LifeSite News came out and said, well, he already said that he was going to sign a, an abortion ban on this. The, the supermajority, those Republicans in Florida said that they that's something that they want to see, that they want to pass. So I guess, I don't know, maybe maybe Mr. Fury missed that. I, one point that you did bring up, you, brought, you unearthed some video because you had said that back in 2021, uh, this sort of uh, twenty uh, competitive 2024 thing came up again with Noam, and they were talking about lockdowns. I wanted to play this because you were you, you noted that, um, and again, we don't like. I don't. I I want I want more conservatives, not fewer conservatives. 
I was actually shocked by this because I did was not aware that it was the state legislature, the legislature in South Dakota that actually stopped her from enforcing full lockdown. This is audio soundbite six. You want to earth this flashback video of Governor Noem in April of 2020 admitting that she wanted to enforce the lockdown. Let's play this. We will be using appropriate enforcement measures as necessary that I do have at my disposal. But we have not run into an incidence yet where that's been necessary. I think the question was who specifically would enact that enforcement? It would be, it's in my executive order. So I would expect that if there's enforcement action to be taken, it would be mine. So that's a little, that was a little surprising. So she just, I, it feels like her communications guy just sort of opened her up to all of these other, you know, revis- the revisiting these past controversies. Right. And this is where things really start to fall apart for Noam's whole sort of public image. Because again, even with the women's sports bill, her whole claim to fame as a sort of conservative fighter from the outset was that South Dakota was the only state in the country that didn't lock down ever for COVID. And that's true, technically. What she leaves out from that is that she tried to lock down the state and really strong conservatives in the state legislature said, nothing doing, we're not going to let you do that. But if you actually go on and you you watch that whole clip, she gets another question and she says, well, we tried to get enforcement mechanisms, but the legislature blocked our efforts. So it's her just openly admitting, that was back in April, 2020, that she was trying to enforce these horrible lockdowns that we saw everywhere else. She got blocked by the legislature and then she turned around and took credit. Yeah, that's kind of unbelievable. And I wanted to clarify, too, because you said because DeSantis did sign a 15 week abortion ban last April. And they said that they would they would sign uh, more pro-life legislation, too. And the legislature indicated that that's something that they're that they're willing to take up now that they have even bigger numbers. This is sad because they yeah, it's weird that 2024 seems to be playing out this early. But at the same time, what Fury's response has nothing to do with the, the very real concern that parents have that you illustrated in your piece about this movement, not only taking you know root you know in states like California, but in South Dakota and with more than just sports. I mean, we're getting it's it's affecting everything. I mean, this is it's sad to see. This is a great piece. I hope every I hope people go and check this out. Nate Hawkman, uh, great job. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Dana. Of course. Take care. We have more to come, folks, as we watch what's happening with the latest in the House speaker race. Fifteen so far have flipped, putting Kevin McCarthy closer to clinching that seat. And we'll we'll bring you the latest as it comes. Uh, so stay tuned. We have more in store. Update on that. Uh, I have some wokery and today's stupidity. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. Here's the latest on the vote count. You still have Biggs, Boebert, Crane, Gates, Good, and Rosendale. Those are the six that still oppose. Everyone from Chip Roy to Byron Donalds uh, has, uh, they said that they're, and Anna Paulina Luna, they all said that their conversations uh, with McCarthy and the concessions and agreements that they have made give them confidence in going forward uh, to support him as speaker. Uh, now, apparently, Representatives Hunt and Buck. Buck is, is apparently has a health issue. Uh, I apparently he was getting like a surgery or something, and he's going to be back. It said uh, Hunt and Buck are coming back tonight to vote in the election, and if. Everyone is in the chamber. Uh, it gives McCarthy two that that makes it 216 votes. He would have to get two votes from Biggs 
out of the six, Biggs, Boebert, Crane, Gates, Gooder, Rosendale. They could also vote present and lower the threshold. So that's where we are at. That is the latest. And we're going to keep an eye on that and bring you the latest on it. So that's the latest. That's that's it. So that would he's just almost I mean, he's at 216 at that point. So I, as I said, like if it's not going to be in the 13th round, it's going to be because it's done at this point. And I and I think the real MVP that comes out of this is Chip Roy. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I can't imagine having to herd cats like that. Can you? It's like it's like having to I oh man there's just no way no thank you no thanks so that's we'll have all that for you all right so first up I got one more thing about um jeez I can't believe this is a story this is some wokery for you because everything's dumb I said this on break I brought this story up and the guys didn't believe me there's literally a story. The headline is, is it racist to like big butts? What? Mm-hmm. But well, first you, you asked if it's racist to have a butt. Yeah, because the author followed it up with That's, that tweet. Which I think is even more ridiculous. I'm like, well, what are you supposed to do? But no, big. I don't think big butts are a, a race thing. This writer over at Unheard actually wrote this whole piece about it. So they said that, and someone, and it's a piece about someone else who wrote a book about it. So they're trying to say that, wait, what? So the, the, the book that they're writing about also insists that having butts are a black thing. It doesn't say size. It just says butts in general. No. Is the author of said book 10? <laughs> are you just supposed to magically export things? That you need to remove. I mean, I'm wondering. I this is the dumbest thing ever. This is what happens when you have an indulgent society that has too many modern conveniences and too much time on its hands. Yeah, no. They sit around and they think about stupid stuff like this. You could be working in a shelter helping people, but instead you're sitting at your stupid laptop in a Starbucks and you're writing about this. I'm waiting for the stories where like if you like water. You might be racist. You know who else wears shoes? Racists. I mean, you can do this with everything. Right? All racists drink water. Water is racist. You know, because science. It's the you new know who science, else drink right? water? Who's that? Hitler. Hitler. So, yes. So water is Nazi. Same thing. That's the logic we're dealing with today. I'm just trying to. Is there? I don't know. You. Can, I, I. And now that. And then they talk about silhouettes and you know curvy figures and all of that. Wasn't that kind of the, the preference, back in like the 40s and 50s? Well, yeah. And even farther back, if you look at the 18th and 19th centuries, yeah, for sure. The only time that like super unhealthy skinny was popular was the drug-addled era of the 90s when you had heroin chic. And everyone looked, hor- they looked just like skeletons with no meat and just skin on them. It was bad. Nobody had any figure. Everybody's shoulders were just, nah. Every, it, it was bad. It was a bad time for looking good. The dudes didn't change. It was the chicks that did. Now, why is that? But nowadays, dudes have really changed. 
Yeah, no, I don't like Today. any of that. I want I want my dudes to look like a JoJo hero. JoJo Bizarre Adventure. I want them to look like those guys. Well, let's go back. Stardust Crusaders specifically. I don't want to get into Stone Ocean where I can't tell what Anasui is. But I'm just saying. I want to go. <laughs> if I'm being particular. Oh, my gosh. People are like, Dana, you're going to stop talking about the animes. We don't understand what. First, it was Attack on Titan and now this. Two in one show. You can't. I know. What are you watching? Um, well, a lot of the, some of the seasons have ended, like Mob Psycho. Yeah, that Mob ended. Psycho's done. Um, Spy X Family's. Spy X Family ended. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, if you haven't watched Spy X Family, I think people as an introductory, yeah, as an introductory anime for Hysterical. people, I think it would be great. What a cute little girl! It's, it is so great. Spy X Family is probably where you want to start. Yeah, you want to start with that. That's really good. And then Mob Psycho is a good one yeah. to do. All right, today's stupidity came. What we got? All right, it's KJP White House spokesperson. She is well, press secretary, I guess I should say. She's blaming Republicans for an inherited mess at the southern border, and that they're making it worse. The president inherited. Did a mess. No, he didn't. Because of what the last administration did. No. They inherited a we inherited a mess. Inherited? And uh, you know, Republicans in Congress made it worse by blocking comprehensive no. immigration reform. Yeah, their comprehensive immigration reform wasn't any positive <laughs> reform on immigration whatsoever. So yeah, Republicans were right to fight it, and they didn't inherit a mess. They inherited an actual good job at the border. Yeah, they did. And then they decided to promptly trash it. So uh, you can follow, uh, actually subscribe to Chapter and Verse. We'll have updates there as well as Facebook. Great job, Congressman Chip Roy, on holding the line and securing a good deal. And that does it for us this Friday. Have a great week. I'll be back with you Monday.